1: Welcome, new kids in town, kids who work at the comic store, vampires, oh of course, a special shout out to all you Corys out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where we and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results first off apologize for the late delivery today. I like to get these out by at least the morning in my time zone, New York time and such but I've been on vampire time unfortunately nights are days, days and nights no 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 I actually was uh doing a bit of traveling safe traveling don't worry I'll talk about it more next week because it is related to the podcast, but yeah, a little behind schedule, but doesn't matter. It's still great. You're still going to have a good time because we're talking The Lost Boys today. And I'll tell you what, ever since I've seen this movie and ever since I chatted about it with our guests today, Shawnee Mead and Dan Colon, I've been so excited. I've been telling everyone about it. I've been listening to the soundtrack. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. It's kind of crazy, but hell freaking yeah. Can't wait. But of course, we got to talk about your other homework. We know it was to watch The Lost Boys. But of course, Friday we had an episode, and it was a banger of an episode. We talked detention with The Godfather, Joey Lewandowski, and Austin Wolf Southern. That was a really fun episode. Check that out in our archives at cageclip.me or on wherever you're listening to us right now, whether it be Google Podcast, almost tripped me up again, <laughs> Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or what's the other one I'm forgetting? Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Google. Oh, of course, Spotify. You can listen to us there as well. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating, if applicable. Write us a positive review, if applicable. All that helps the algorithm, but the best thing you can do to help High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend about all the great and wonderful things we do here in High School Slumber Party, including last Friday's episode on detention. Trust me, it was a really, really cool one, and you're going to be seeing a lot more of that on our social media because Austin and Joey picked a bunch of recommendations in addition to detention. So look out for that. I promise you. Trust me. It's a lot, but it's great. Love those guys. Appreciate them. Can't wait to have them on again. But I also can't wait for you to listen to today's episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Just because it sounded like I was bringing this opener to a close doesn't mean that I was. I have some more awesome things to tell you about. No, not High School Movie News. We'll save that for another time. I have some more important things to tell you about. Well, I don't know about more, but equally as important, more personal things, if you will. First, I wanted to remind you guys that I was on the Ryan Stick Show last Thursday. Ryan, of course, was our guest for the awesome trick-or-treat episode check that out in the archive but i was on his show talking horror movies i made a friend and his friend liz we talked a bunch of fun stuff check that out just google the ryan stick show you can find that pretty much anywhere but it's an awesome show check it out i was there can't stress that enough extra credit assignment for you guys another thing that i really 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 am excited to tell you about this one wow well this one is really important to me You know this guy. He's been on our podcast before. His name is Christian Larson. He's got an extensive VHS collection, but more than that, he's a man with a dream. Well, him and his wife, I should say, him and his wife Alyssa have had this dream to open up a theater somewhere in the Hudson Valley. They've moved to Peekskill recently from Brooklyn, and wow, things are really working out for them. They actually have found a location. They have a partner and they're looking to open this theater it's going to take some time and it's going to take some effort so i want to let you guys know about their kickstarter i've already donated i want you to take a look at it if you can donate great if you can't totally understand but just take a look at it because if you're in the new york city or Peekskill area or even if you're not It's an awesome project. He wants to do kind of like a theater there. Well, they want to do, I should say. Movie theater, food, snacks, that kind of stuff. Talk to him more about it. He has the plan. All I know is I'm going to be there opening night, and I'm so excited for this to open. I don't even know when it's going to open, but if you take a look at the picture of it, it's in this old like piano shop like a piano factory, I think. I don't know. It's called Ford Piano. He was telling me about it. I actually had dinner with him and his wife the other day, and I was so excited. He's like the mayor of Peekskill right now. He talks to people as they walk in the restaurant like they know him. He's hosting these movie nights up there, and again, he's a friend of the program, so I want you to really help him out. So I'll share it on our social media, but look up Starlight Peak Skill or The Starlight, or look up Christian Larson on Kickstarter. You'll find it there. I really couldn't be more happy for Christian and Alyssa with this project. I can't stress that enough. If you can donate, once again, great. And if you can't, totally understand. But check out the project, support the project. We'll give you more updates on the project as it comes along, that's for sure. And on that, very exciting note. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother's sleeping over Brian's because we're about to get our Lost Boys party on. Can't wait for this. Oh my God. Shawnee Mead, Dan Colon. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to leave you with, what else would I leave you with? The Lost Boys theme song.
0: Cry little sister
1: Class of returning guests today for a very exciting film to talk about, The Lost Boys from 1987. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget about this if I don't mention it. Let's do it. Introductions. Shawnee, why don't you go first with your introduction?
2: All right. Hi, I'm back again. Shawnee Mead. I graduated from Oak Bank Area School in 2007. No mascot, but we won't cover that again. That's
0: That's,
1: <laughs> <not>. <laughs> that's been Old covered. Hat. Yes, old hat for high school slumber party—that's for sure. And then Dan,
3: yeah, I went to Timber Creek Regional High School, class of 2005, home of the Chargers, and um, I was voted best actor in my graduating class. Ooh. So that's a fun fact about me that I have not shared on this show. You know, yeah. like I, I always try to come up with something new, but um, new fact. Yeah, I was—I yeah. was, I was one of the who's who in our class nice
1: best actor like yeah. that's a you know that's a prestigious award at the Oscars so I assume it is in your high school as well
3: yeah I ironically I was not voted best actor within like the drama club awards you know we gave out our own awards for different things and I think there were like best actor for each class if for freshman sophomore junior and senior so my senior year i did not win that award but i did get in the yearbook as uh as the best actor
1: so you were more the best actor among you won like maybe like the oscar but not like the uh sag award because you didn't win amongst your peers so correct right
3: yeah exactly right i got the popular vote you know among the school uh population but yeah among my own peers i was not top dog
1: not well received no kidding <laughs>
3: <laughs> which is funny, which is funny because the the guy who who did win that year, you know, I had a lead in the musical that year and he did not. He was one of the ensemble members, and I thought it was strange that I did not win and he did I mean you know it's what it is, but yeah, I, I had a lead and still didn't win. So
1: I don't know, you still sound bitter all these years later. <laughs> no,
3: I' am just joking <laughs> <laughs> I still I still have pieces of that set in my basement. Do you act it out to
1: yourself during
3: quarantine? just
1: and just... cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cry so, angry that you didn't win amongst your peers for uh, Best Actor. Well, you know, well, your acting peers.
3: No, I don't cry. Actually, I hadn't thought about that show in quite some time. And then, uh, so not to bring down the room, but so my grandmother passed away this year. And part of what we had to do was clean out her house. And a part of what we found was the soundtrack Uh, somebody had taken the audio from the video and put it onto a CD so we could listen to us perform the whole soundtrack to Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. (laughs) And so I'm listening to it back and I hadn't hadn't heard that since high school. So I was pleasantly surprised to discover that I was not as terrible as I thought I was.
1: That's always a nice feeling, right? Like when you look back with nostalgia glasses and you're hoping that it's going to be, good especially when it's with yourself and you're like you know what wasn't that bad so that's awesome
3: <laughs> well i'm I'm not a singer and i hate listening to myself you know that's that's just a thing about me but i thought it's been uh 15 years let me take a look and yeah i was not embarrassed about that a performance so I'd take that for what it is i guess
1: well if you don't like listening to yourself don't edit podcasts i'll tell you that much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i have uh mike manzi editing my podcast <laughs>
1: Well, again, I'm so excited to have you two on to talk The Lost Boys. Well, Dan, you had told me that you guys maybe had discussed doing The Lost Boys. And then, Shawnee, I was like, let's do a Halloween one. You're like, let's do The Lost Boys. So we're here (laughs) with The Lost Boys. But before that, though, I do want to ask quickly. And Shawnee, you and I have gone into this a lot. So we don't have to, you know, do a huge deep dive again. But first, I'll ask you. Obviously, COVID has changed things. I know you guys usually have a big Halloween party down in Australia. Mm. And we've talked about how <laughs> the Halloween in Australia is different. But what anything cool happening for you for Halloween this year?
2: No, sadly not. No party, no anything. I think sort of the health regulations have said that you're allowed to do trick-or-treating. But they have some strict rules around that. So I think we'll just have some family around and maybe just send the kids around for trick-or-treating. But yeah, nothing sort of... Halloween-esque which is really annoying because it's going to be a Saturday and a full moon and you know all of that but oh well it's not going to stop me from enjoying my spooky season but it's just a more muted one this time but oh well.
1: (laughs) Yeah and and that's understandable and is there any way though that you'll be even just celebrating with yourself? Do you have a costume this year or just I don't know. You're good with your Halloween pins. So what what's up for Halloween yeah. in your life?
2: No, I'm not planning a costume this year, but I might just recycle my ugly Halloween vest that I bought on eBay a couple of years ago. So I might just wear <laughs> that around the house. I can post a picture of it, you know, so you can see it in all its glory because it's pretty bad, but it's, it's really good. But I haven't <laughs> really been wearing pins this year because I've not really been leaving the house. So all of my Halloween pins are sort of just sadly laying around in a drawer. Waiting to be worn, but I don't know. I might whip some out on Halloween Day, but
1: yeah, yeah, wear them. Doesn't matter if you leave the house or not. The Halloween spirit lives with within you, Shawnee. <laughs> Keep that spirit alive. It's uh, like Halloween Town, it
2: never goes
3: away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How about you, Dan? Um, Maybe you don't want to tip your hand for your costume. I don't know. But doing anything interesting for Halloween?
3: Yeah. So, Brian, you and I are kind of in one of the COVID hotspots in the United States. And, um, you know, I, I do my best to keep out of social situations for the most part, with the exception of, you know, a few sort of socially distanced hangouts with friends when whenever possible. So for Halloween this year, I'm considering visiting a friend of mine who lives closer to you. He lives up in North Jersey. He and his and his wife. And like they haven't been seeing anybody. I haven't been seeing anybody. And we all just we want to celebrate Halloween together. So I think what we're gonna do is just kind of have like a low-key Halloween weekend, watch uh, some old movies. I know his wife is not really into horror movies, but she wants to be. Like, I think she just she gets scared pretty easily, but she's not sure what she should be watching that's not going to terrify her. So I'm like, well, you know, uh, I'm doing a podcast now about Universal monsters, so like, let's do some of that because I think those are, are are not scary by today's standards, but they, they could be films that you know she really uh, gets into. I think we're gonna do some of that. We might play some board games together uh you know there's not really much of a reason to wear a costume but that's not necessarily going to stop me from wearing <laughs> one um, i might just hang out inside and wear a costume for myself and uh yeah that's kind of all we've got planned for halloween i don't know if there will be trick or treaters where they are or not but um yeah i think we're just going to spend some time watching movies playing board games you know just enjoying enjoying each other's company
1: i mean that sounds fun too This is obviously going to be a very muted Halloween for everyone, but there are ways to make it fun and, you know, the things you guys said for sure. But also, I think both of you, whether it's on the podcast or off the podcast, have mentioned, or I just know, everyone's watching great spooky movies or Halloween movies these days. So I think that's kind of the best way that we can all share in a Halloween experience without physically being, you know, in each other's presence and the lost boys so both of you are excited to talk this film and i'm very <laughs> curious as to why uh, whichever one of you wants to go first but like what's your history with the lost boys
3: well i'll, I'll let shawnee go first here because oh, I, right. she's yeah
2: <laughs> i mean that's she, uh... with my idea but anyway <laughs>
3: yeah yeah we we sort of uh got together on twitter and we're having a whole conversation and uh decided we were going to ambush you brian to do this episode (laughs) but this this did sort of stem from uh shawnee watching the lost boys and then i started watching the lost boys so uh unless you want me to go first shawnee no i
2: can go first yeah sorry brian about i
3: didn't mean to put you on the spot like that (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: i mean i've wanted to talk about this for ages and i've I've mentioned it several times to Brian before, and we've always been a bit like, does it count? Is it a high school movie? But, I mean, it's got one actual teenager, and they keep talking about him going to high school after the worst summer of all time. But, anyway, he's probably going to drop out uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I first – it was always a film that I knew was around, but being not a fan of things that are scary, I was always kind of like, oh, no, it's probably going to be scary. So I never watched it. But then um, in 2018, I think it was on the TV – one night so I just went all right I'm gonna watch it and then instantly I was like this is the best bad thing I have ever seen and I have been like obsessed with that ever since I think that year I watched it about three times and I just watch it every Halloween and I'm just like obsessed with it I don't even know why I think because it's just so it's bad but in like an amazing camp over the top amazing Joel Schumacher sort of way that only he could have made it this way and have it been good I think if anyone else had made it it would just be like yeah, it's kinda good, but but I think it's just what he brought to it was just made it really fun. And like a cult icon, I guess, but uh I'm glad to talk about because I love it. But uh
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh how about you, Dan? So it took me a really long time to get to this one. You know, as I've said many times uh on this show and others, uh that you know, my my um love My true love of horror didn't really develop until I was in college. And then well after that, I I started seeking out, you know, as as many horror films as I could find. And um, I just this I never came across The Lost Boys. I never saw it on TV and uh, it was never on at anybody's house. So but I I, I always knew knew about it. And um, at some point, I guess I was at a flea market or a thrift store. And I found uh, uh, the Lost Boys DVD for like a buck or two bucks or whatever. And I thought, oh, it's finally time for me to to see this movie. And I think, I want to say by this point, I had seen uh, the other teenage vampire film from 1987, which is probably my favorite of the two, uh, which is Near Dark. If you've never seen Near Dark, the plot uh, of that is very similar to this mm-hmm. one. But it was uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow and uh, it's got uh, a bunch of the cast members from Aliens in it because uh, Catherine Bigelow was married to James Cameron at the time. So she was able to get a bunch of those actors on loan. I think it's a better film overall, but kind of to, to echo what Shani said about the Joel Schumacher-ness of the Lost Boys. It's just like it's its, its own thing. And uh, I think those uh, Schumacher-y elements of the Lost Boys are what make this movie so much fun. I think that's the difference between the two. I think Near Dark is a better movie, but Lost Boys is just, just can't be beaten in terms of the fun, the soundtrack, the, the campiness of it. But yeah, so I've loved this movie ever since I first saw it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always kind of partial to to movies that I love that came out the year I was born. And, and this is definitely one of those movies. This Ever since I first saw this movie, it, it became kind of a, a staple vampire film. You know, it's when I want to have a good time watching vampires, I put this on. If I want to be scared watching vampires, maybe I put on something else.
1: Very true, very fair. And like, <laughs> my story's kind of similar, but it's more recent, right? Like the first time I saw The Lost Boys was actually in college. My girlfriend at the time uh, rented it and I was like, really? That movie? It's so dumb. Even though I hadn't seen it, but that's what I'd heard. And I just did not give it a chance at all when she was watching it. Look, like, oh, what's happening? It's so stupid. I was just being snarky and kind of a jerk. And I really hadn't seen it since then. Like, I knew at the time that I wasn't giving it a chance. So it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like, uh, oh, not looking forward to this or anything like that. I was actually really looking forward to watching it again. And this time when, you know, different lens, different time for me in my life to hopefully a little less snarky. And yet yeah, watching it, my God, this is a fun movie. Like, I, I guess I just didn't realize. I think the first time I watched it, I was trying to take it a little bit too seriously. But now, like, watching it on this watch, oh, my God. I had such a blast watching it. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about it. So every week I read the uh, back of the VHS or DVD. I found a back of the VHS here. So here goes for those of you out there who did not do your homework and you're not familiar with The Lost Boys. Sam and his older brother, Michael, are all American teens. There you go. Teens. We can cover it. Shawnee, we're good. Yeah. (laughs) All-American teens with all-American interests, okay? (laughs) Do they? I don't know. That's what it says.
2: I know they love MTV, but...
1: (laughs) And
3: and comic books. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, sure. (laughs) But after they move move with their mother to the peaceful Santa Carla, California, things Mm -hmm. mysteriously begin to change as Michael's not himself lately and mom's not going to like... What he's turning into. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Lost Boys <laughs> reshape vampire tradition by deftly mixing heart pounding terror, rib tickling laughs, and a body gyrating rock soundtrack with tunes from In Excess. Oh, Australia, Shawnee, there you go. Yeah. See, it's not just all American. They like Australian things too. I do. <laughs> with tunes from In Excess and Jimmy Barnes, Lou Graham, Echo, and the Bunny Man. And others, under Joel Schumacher's deft, using that word again, deft Mm -hmm. direction, a marvelous cast, Jason Patrick, Jamie Gertz, and and so on and so on, and we'll get into it. It says, stakes you, gleefully, ghoulish entertainment. I don't know if that all made grammatical sense, but okay. (laughs) Okay.
3: certainly a ride I, I just want to address one thing about that description the whole michael's not himself lately and mom's not gonna like what he's turning into <laughs> makes it sound like he's like 12 and he's going through puberty which which would be a fun movie but jason patrick is like 25 in this movie.
1: apparently he's a teenager as well but yeah i yeah. don't think so <laughs> I don't know about that.
2: but i mean like you know clearly the four vampires are meant to be teenagers but like um hello like billy worth walking around he's literally looks like about 30 so whatever <laughs> and not just because he doesn't have a shirt like you know he just they all look like adults to me like um yeah i mean the age of the kind of and i mean sam they say a teen but i don't i'm not even sure what age sam is meant to be because he's kind of Looks like he could be 14, 15, but he's kind of written like he's about 10. Like it's a bit, <clears throat> it's like a weird, I don't know. I don't really know what age anyone's meant to be, but.
1: <laughs> well, that does come from something production note wise. Originally, this script was written to be more of like a movie we covered, Monster Squad, or The Goonies, or, hmm. or something like that with younger kids. I think Sam was originally supposed to be eight years old.
2: Yeah, because they're going to do the whole, like, Peter Pan thing, which is why it's still called The Lost Boys. But I'm glad they didn't do that because it would just be, like, The Goonies again.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, this is cooler. It was uh, So even, you know, Richard Donner, for, obviously, of The Goonies, he was originally going to direct this. He's actually still a producer. Um, and then, you know, you, ready, you guys already mentioned him, Joel Schumacher. And so you know, the late Joel Schumacher, we just lost him this year. Mm. He's the director, and this has such a Schumacher style. And I think that's another reason why I didn't um, appreciate it that much in college. I just, I guess, I wasn't really aware of too much of the work of Joel Schumacher. I had seen the Batman stuff, but I, mm. you know, hadn't really <coughs> digested it <laughs> in the way that I digest it now. I'll put it that way.
3: See, the interesting thing about Schumacher, you know, I, I grew up being told that Joel Schumacher movies were garbage right like and as i got through film school i'm thinking back to batman i'm thinking back to you know some some other i can't i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now but you know it's just it was sort of conditioned to believe that joel schumacher was a hack and then as i got older as i started to develop my taste i decided i realized that his batman movies you know, we can argue all day whether or not they're good, but I think that, um, you know, I love, I, I, to this day, I love his Batman movies because of how much fun they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that it took me some time to really develop a taste for Joel Schumacher's style. And, you know, again, we can discuss whether or not he's any good at what he does, but what he does is very distinct and unique. And I think that for 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 people it either works or it doesn't and i'm really happy to say that his his thing works for me and you know so i'm glad that i that i got out of that that cycle of thinking before i saw the lost boys because i think i would have been doing myself a big disservice going into that with a cynical perspective because i think i would have ended up kind of the way you did brian when you know i would have maybe hated it but um Schumacher's great at what he does in terms of just bringing fun, energy, and style, and good music to to everything he does. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, it's only
2: this movie is only cool because he made it because he sort of went, "I'll only make it if you let me do it with teens and make it like you know cool and sexy and whatever." So the reason that it's fun is because he was like, "No, nah, I'm not doing a like Goonies redo. I'm doing going to do something cool."
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why we get a teen movie here, and that's why supposedly both of them. I think, you know, a lot of our interpretations have said that, like, the younger brother, Sam, is supposed to be, like, maybe just entering high school around that age. Mm-hmm. And the older brother is supposed to be, like, a senior. But who the fuck knows? <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> but they certainly, you know... There's certainly, it's, it's teen-esque. It feels like a teen film. Obviously, I watch a lot of these, so I know. And it definitely, <laughs> feel, despite what, what characters might look like, they definitely seem like a lot of a teen interaction, just from like hanging out on the beach and just... Yeah. No one's talking about like getting a job. I mean, the jobs they're talking about getting, actually, yeah, they do talk about getting a job, but I meant more like a career. No one's talking about like putting food on the table. It's just kind of a lot of teen things. The jobs that they go after are like young people jobs and stuff, so... It definitely falls in this teen genre. And definitely, you know, we're talking vampires. It's definitely in the Halloween genre. Let's run through the cast quickly. And I know, maybe this is not a cast person, but I know, Dan, you have a story about someone Someone will bring up here. So uh, we'll, we'll save that one for last. But first, Jason Patrick as Michael, which I don't know if you guys heard the trivia fact. And I noticed in the movie, they say like Mike and Michael so many times in this movie
2: Oh my god, then literally they really that all anyone says. It's just like, oh, there's a bit of dialogue. Oh, no way, we've got to say Michael again. <laughs> I
3: mean,
2: you know, I get it. Michael is like a massive babe, but anyway, <laughs> just just that aside.
3: <laughs> For uh, those of, uh, of us who really love vampire stuff, I feel like Michael is the original Sookie. <clears throat> For anyone who has seen True, yeah, Blood, True like Blood, it's all anyone says is suki. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah michael's name might be the most most uttered thing in (laughs) definitely especially Uh, by
2: david he just wouldn't shut up he's just like michael every five seconds like
1: (laughs) 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 yeah and michael is our uh you know he's one of the kids i'm using that air quotes (laughs) who moves to the uh,
2: all-american kids?
1: yes one of the all-american boys (laughs) (laughs) who moves to santa carla which is of course it's santa cruz it's filmed in santa Mm. cruz i don't know if any of you guys have been to santa cruz but it's a pretty i haven't but i
2: always see people wearing the like skateboard shirts and i'm always like ah the lost boy (laughs) (laughs) if i said something they'd probably be like what it's just a skateboard thing man like What are you talking
1: about? I mean, that's what it is. Like when you go to Santa Cruz, they have Lost Boys stuff everywhere. There's even like, I didn't take it, but there's a Lost Boys tour you can take there. Like It's it's a big part of their culture. But obviously it's famous for that boardwalk and the beach. And it's a Northern California town. I think probably like an hour south of San Francisco or so.
2: And it's the murder capital of the world. Just throwing that out. Because it
1: describes...
2: (laughs) What you just read before described as the peaceful town of Santa Carla. But literally they get there and everyone's like, it's the murder capital of the world. They're like, okay, great. We've just moved here. That's fun.
1: (laughs) And this was kind of true, actually, in the 80s. That like I think Per Capita... I mean, it was a pretty seedy place. You know, of course it's experienced a revival now, like most shore communities, frankly. But... At the time, a lot of around the country, like uh, these old fashioned, you know, out here we have like Coney Island, uh, you know, in New York where I live. But there's a lot of these like old boardwalks that kind of went into disrepair and the town of Santa Cruz kind of got like that. So it made more sense during the film. Now it's just like apparently not like that. So who knows? Again, I don't live there. But uh, yeah, so he's one of uh, Jason Patrick is Michael. I'll say it again. Michael. He's one of the. Wait, uh, what,
2: what was that, Brian? What was <laughs> <laughs>
0: Michael,
1: <laughs> he's one of the uh, two all-American boys who move in to town with their grandfather, and of course the other one is played by one of the two Corys, Corey Haim, and I think if I'm not mistaken, this is our actually our first Cory's movie, which is insane because they they hold such a special place in teen films in the '80s. So excited to you know break that Cory thing with you guys, but uh, yes. Corey Haim plays Sam again one of the two Corys we'll get to the other Corey later their mother is played by the great the two-time Academy Award winner Ooh. Diane Weist, who I didn't even remember was in this movie I love Diane Weist. so she's great so to see great you. and she
2: like she was so many moms in like the 80s and 90s she was literally like if someone had like a cool mom she was it <laughs> or you she was like you call cool aunt or like you know like in Practical Magic she's like you know awesome in that but
1: another one of your favorites right yes
2: but I think she's great in this
1: we mentioned David a little bit earlier too but how about Kiefer Sutherland as David what a what an iconic look for him you know the leader of the the vampires (laughs) you think he's scary
2: well I just I think like any like I don't really know what Kiefer is like personally obviously because you know I haven't met him but I just feel like Especially like this, and then like Stand by Me. He's like he doesn't really do anything scary, but he's just like has this like intimidating, scary kind of vibe that you'd be like, I don't want to meet you in a dark alley because you're probably gonna like beat me up or something. Or like <laughs> he's not like doing anything that's actually scary. He just has like a very creepy kind of vibe. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he he gets a little scary when he gets like vampireish too. I,
3: I didn't have a whole lot of experience with Kiefer Sutherland as a youth. You know, I I, I grew up. Really, kind of knowing him as Jack Bauer, you know, 24 mm. really put him on my radar. But like, I kind of knew that he was popular in the 80s as a teen star, like from this movie, this movie Stand By Me, and um, Young Guns. You know, like those were kind of in my periphery. But I, you know, I still haven't seen Young Guns, and uh, don't hate me for this, but I still haven't seen Stand By Me. So yeah, wow. young teenage uh, <laughs> Kiefer is is not is not something that I'm totally familiar with. But yeah, he's so good in this. I feel like here, even as a teenager, he seems like a 30-year-old man. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I don't mean that he looks like a 30-year-old man, but he has, like... He has, like, this quality, like, the wisdom and the the gravitas of a man wise beyond his years. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: I, and I think that's what makes him so intimidating in this. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know I've seen him in pieces of Stand By Me, and he kind of has the same swagger in that. But yeah, so... I love Kiefer in this. I think this is one of maybe his best roles ever.
1: So, like, I was going to say, what's the opposite of Insecure? But I guess it's just Secure. So, I don't know. But, you know, so many of these teen actors are really good at playing Insecure, which is great, but sometimes you don't need that. And he's, like, he's so sure of himself that it's great. So, I definitely agree with that. I
3: was going to say, the opposite of Insecure is, like, cocksure, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got uh, an abundance of confidence. Mm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just quickly. Uh, oh, of course, I got to talk about the other Corey. Corey Feldman <laughs> as one of the two. What are they? The Frog Brothers? Egner Frog. frog Brother. Brothers. Doing a
2: ridiculously frog... deep voice. It's ridiculous. I know he was trying to go for like a whole Rambo kind of thing, but. I mean, he's literally just talking like this the whole time. And sometimes I can't even understand what he's saying because he goes like, <laughs> it's so deep.
3: Is that really the explanation for his voice was that he was trying to channel Rambo? Yeah, I the- think
2: because like, Joel Schumacher was like, what's his name? Edgar,
1: Edgar he's Frog. He's Edgar Frog. Frog and his brother
3: is Alan Frog,
1: yeah.
2: But he was kind of like, go out. I think I'm reading some trivia thing here and he told him to go and like rent Chuck Norris movies and Sylvester Stallone movies. And then he was like, that's your character. So I think he kind of just went a bit far on that and went, I'm literally going to be where But like, because yeah. <laughs> his voice should sound like Corey Haynes. It should be a little bit high pitched, but definitely not. Yeah.
3: He had done, he had done Goonies relatively around this mm. time. Right. So, and, and his voice is not like that in, in the Goonies. No. So yeah. I mean, it's clear <laughs> that he's doing a voice, but I didn't realize that that was like the, the director. Yeah. That role. was kind of That's like funny.
2: You know, his homework. I don't know if they were, Wanting him to go, like, that far with the voice, obviously. But uh, that was a choice, and uh, he made it. So uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Wow. I mean, that's awesome. Again, (laughs) this is, like, really early, the two Corys. But, yeah, yeah, no, this is the first one together. Just double-check that fact. So they were kind of doing their own thing, and they were known, and, I don't know, they got cast in this, and apparently, like, (laughs) it set off this thing where, for, like, three or four years, everyone wanted to see them in movies together, but people considered like the, the true trilogy of the two Corys to be the Lost Boys, License to Drive, and Dream a Little Dream, and uh, I've seen License to Drive, haven't seen Dream a Little Dream, I know the aforementioned Mike Manzi is a big fan of that film, but I was happy to see the two Corys here back at it, and we all, you know, not we all know, but for those of you who don't know, they became best friends in real life tragic story we lost Corey haim Corey feldman's still with us but he's had a very uh, troubled life fighting addiction too they
2: just make me feel so sad i know oh, but it's like i like, like about the corys and i'm like oh
1: it's nice though to see <laughs> okay. them acting and just almost like mm-hmm. as weird as it sounds being kids you know having mm-hmm. fun so yeah i mean i was happy to see them on screen like that a couple other people i want to mention as you can see this is an awesome star-studded cast it's mm-hmm. really really cool Uh, And speaking of Star, I didn't mean to do that, but Jamie Gertz plays Star in this. What do you think of Jamie Gertz?
3: So I love Jamie Gertz. I mean, she... First popped on my radar, I think with most people of our generation in Twister. Yes, <laughs> as, as Melissa, she's great, and it, whenever she pops up and stuff, I'm always really surprised and, and happy to see her. I think that she's great in this in this role. It's not something that I would have typically, um, I would have necessarily cast her in. You know, I, I don't. I think she's. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not unfamiliar with her her '80s output, but you know, I know her as Melissa. So I'm just like, <laughs> this, this is a strange role for for her, but. Yeah, no, I think she's she's wonderful.
2: I think she's good as Star. I just wish she had a bit more to do. Yes, And the fact that she that. was, I don't know, maybe allowed to speak to the one other woman in the film. Because they actually, <laughs> they have one scene together and then Diane Wiest is like, who is this? She doesn't even <laughs> talk to her. Like, hello, spectral <laughs> test, guys.
1: Yes, does, certainly does not daylight, pass that.
2: Certainly, certainly but yeah, I just kind of wish Star had a bit more to do rather than just be like, you know, The vampire bait, but whatever.
3: I would definitely agree with that. I think that the movie, it doesn't have a ton of depth, so I don't expect much from it, you know what I mean, overall, in terms of that. So I think that's why most people don't complain about that so much with this one. But yeah, I think that it would have been great if she had had more to do, for sure.
1: Yeah, apparently Star's character was originally written as kind of like a waif, or like a, you know, I've even heard people use the phrase when I was researching blonde bimbo role. And uh, mm. Jason Patrick, who had previously worked with Jamie Gertz, was like, oh, you should really cast her. She's going to make this boring part a little bit more interesting. So I agree with you guys, but it's probably better than what we were supposed to get anyway. So, you know, <laughs> applause to Jamie Gertz for that. Edward Herman. I have to mention Edward Herman. I love seeing him in anything.
3: <laughs> oh, I love Edward Herman.
2: Oh. Richard Gilmore. Over
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of course, and just a bunch of other great, great stuff. He's so good. Or he was, you know, obviously we lost him as well as Max here. And, you know, we'll definitely talk about the Max character for sure. Another surprise from you, because I didn't remember this from my first watch, was Alex Winter as Marco. I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah.
2: With his amazing hairpiece. Whoa, that is an epic fake mullet there
3: Woo. That like you know yeah, that hairpiece that... is doing
2: its own acting
3: <laughs> oh my god yeah that that is not the bill esquire uh, bill Preston esquire that i know
2: he's still wearing a crop top though so he's still kind of on on trend but
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes that's that's true this was um was this pre? Yeah, it was. This was before uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's so funny. He's credited as Alexander Alexander Winter, oh. not Alex Winter. Mm-hmm. So he didn't become Alex until later. But yeah, so this is like one of those early early roles where they use his full professional name.
1: Yeah, and he you know he, he's in a he's in the baddie vampire team. So mm. I thought that was cool too. I That's never really he seen him as a heel.
2: Because he looks like the youngest of all the vampires. Like, he looks kind of the right age, but...
1: Well, except for the little boy.
2: Well, yeah, but he's not... I'm not not counting Laddie as a teenager. (laughs)
1: he's
2: probably about eight or seven or something, but...
1: (laughs) Okay, Dan. So I saved this one for last. He's credited as saxophone player. (laughs) And watching this scene today, I was like, oh... And I had remembered this scene. And I'd seen clips of this scene. And also, you know, I got really into Tina Turner when me and... Mike Manzi and Caragela Regan covered Mad Max Three for his podcast because Tina Turner is amazing yeah. in that. But uh, you know, burying the headline here, Tim sexy Capello, sax man. yes, as the sexy sax man, saxophone player, all oiled up and moving like that in that <laughs> scene. Oh my God, what a scene! I, ooh, what a scene! So, Dan, you were saying <laughs> you told me off air you have a story. Tell us, tell us, what's your Tim Capello story?
3: Yeah. <laughs> so uh I was volunteering at a venue in Philadelphia for a little while and I think it was last year he went on a tour. You know, he just went on tour and uh it was just him. He had no band mm. and he was gonna just play these little like venues. And when I looked at some of the other venues on the tour, they were all like little bars and, and whatnot. Wow. This was actually a little little like I wanna it's a venue, but it's more like an art space. You know, it's this tiny little spot. And um It was my birthday weekend, and, you know, because I was a volunteer at the venue, I could pretty much get to see whatever I wanted for free. I just had to, you know, sell beer or or work the door or whatever. And I was like, I I want Tim Capello. So I I requested Tim Capello, got it. So it was uh, was my birthday weekend, so I was turning 32. And um, he rocked the house, dude. And I got to meet him before the show. Wow. He was just the sweetest, most, like, just appreciative guy you could ever possibly want to meet. I was so intimidated walking up to him because he's still as big as he was in the movie. I was going to ask. Old. He's older, but he's still enormous. Like, he's, he's not super tall, but he's, he's just very girthy you know <laughs> and um he still performs in the cod piece with the chains oh mold. my god I was going to ask I, uh, so cool yeah and and so so the way he tours and performs he has like pretty much his whole set like programmed on a laptop and then he plays all the saxophone parts which you know good for him he's making money touring like that uh i thought i was going to see a like a full band but no it's just him you know he's he's playing the sax parts one of the coolest bits about that night, just to illustrate how great of a guy he is. There was a, a, a girl with her parents who had driven down to Philadelphia that day from Connecticut, because I think, she, I think this girl was like eight years old, loved the lost boys. And she wanted to see Tim Capella. Wow. So drove, drove her from Connecticut to Philly. And then uh, a buddy of mine who was attending the show brought some like inflatable saxophones and gave her one. So she's in like the front of uh, of the of the crowd it was all standing room so she's in the front with her like inflatable sax he sees her and then like plays a solo with her Uh. He came down off the stage you know took a bunch of pictures with her played sax yeah so like i just want to let people know like if you get a chance to see tim Capello, absolutely do it because he's super awesome and um, puts on a really great show i mean it's a it's a pretty low budget show but you know he's he's got so much charisma and uh stage presence that you know you don't even care that there's not a band up there with him that's awesome yeah he like doesn't even have somebody there to to handle his merch so like that night i just jumped in there and started taking money and helping him out so he's you know he's like take whatever take whatever you want from the table and i was like oh uh, i don't want to take advantage of that so let me just get like a photo and uh, a t-shirt and i'll be good
1: (laughs) That's so cool, though. And yeah, like his scene in this film, I call it his scene, but I mean, because it is, right? Like there's, I don't know. It was also, even though I I was familiar with it, it was also unexpected because the film, Mm. like visually, (laughs) like if you hadn't really seen it or really even hadn't known Joel Schumacher, it visually has kind of like a 80s, like like hair metal-esque vibe and mm-hmm. the kind of concert they're like at or whatever kind of looks it's unexpected a little... yeah yeah you know like if this is made in a movie today that that's not the music that's playing but i loved it it was like jarring and amazing and just his <laughs> stage presence i'm i'm happy that schumacher was able to capture that and let him be himself
3: Yeah, and here's here's the wild thing about that particular scene. Tim Capello has about 15 total seconds of screen time. He's really not in the movie no. vis- like you don't see him that much, but you remember him long after this movie is over because he just he looks interesting, you know, he's oiled up, he's wearing chains, he's playing a saxophone, <laughs> and the song is really good. You know, I think that song really makes that scene seem a lot bigger than it really is. But yeah. It's incredible how how little screen time he gets, but we all remember the sexy sax man
1: from The Lost Boys. <laughs> we absolutely... Like when I told
3: people when I was going to see this show, I was like, I'm going to see Tim Capello. They're like, who? Who's that? I said, "You know, remember the sexy sax man from The Lost Boys? They're like, "Yup, got
1: it. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's about that time. We got to talk scenes in the movie. So, you know, let's get into it. Early on, you know, we already kind of set the tone a little with them moving to this new town and it's a new place for them. But apparently, this town is populated by vampires. Any early scenes that really caught your eye?
2: Um, I kind of like how it begins because I always sort of forget. And then I watch it again and go, oh, yeah, it actually starts with the vampires, which I think is kind of fun that like, you're not like introduced to them like later. It sort of starts mm-hmm. out with them walking around, kind of like intimidating everyone on the boardwalk, just being like a bunch of creeps. And it kind of introduces you, I think almost straight away it tells you they're vampires pretty much because then they have that scene, which I'm glad they went really lo-fi with that, with like the vampires like flying like through the air at people because if we'd somehow like turned around and there was like Kiefer like flying through the air that would have looked absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and would have completely like aged the film even more. So I'm glad that they kind of just do this like, the camera like pans really fast like at that security guard and it clearly like, you know, he disappears so I was like, oh my god! So it kind of like gives you this kind of creepy vampire vibes right away. And then I like how it like leaps into sort of the family arriving. So I like that it sets it up that way, that it's not kind of just like, we're not hearing about it from the Frog Brothers first. Like I like that we've actually seen it first, and so we know what's going on.
3: Yeah, it's not like a mystery. And it almost starts the way like, like a real horror film would start, right? Like if, if you didn't know what this movie was, mm-hmm. you might think that you were in for a lot more horror than is actually in this movie. I think that, you know, starting it on the boardwalk and showing that starting with the vampire is a really smart move in that way. I think you might they they might be tipping their hand a little bit with the music choice in the first sequence. I think it's is it that cry little sister song? Yeah, you know, so it's it's very stylish music to start the movie with. But in terms of the tone of of what happens in that first sequence. Yeah, it's pretty pretty terrifying. Then it jumps right into the family, which is very goofy and uh, silly. And I think and I think, and I think those two are really great together because all in all, that's the overall tone of of what this movie is. And then they leap in with
2: you know a bit of people are strange, which I yes. I don't know why. They didn't go with the doors version of this especially because later there's clearly that like overlay scene where like michael's face sort of blends in with like jim morrison's face because like joel schumacher was going with like a jim morrison vibe i think because michael kind of looked a lot like him but i just find it weird that it's a cover of the song obviously Probably a money thing, a well, thing, but
3: you know. If you if you look at the rest of the soundtrack, it's pretty you know, there's a lot of eighties new wave in mm-hmm. there. So I think that that might have been the idea, the thinking, you know, like mm-hmm. let's take a song mm-hmm. and, and and have it be covered by a very popular new wave 80s band. And Echo and the Bunny Men were huge at the time. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: The soundtrack was a really big deal for them. When they were making this movie, they're like, We need to make a kick-ass soundtrack. And mm-hmm. I mean we see the doors as like a legacy end now. In the '80s, they really didn't have that. They really got that cachet again in the '90s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, let's remake these songs. People are more popular today. Um, if you re- let the credits, I mean, this soundtrack is. I definitely want to get it on vinyl because it is like <laughs> such a, of the time soundtrack. But if you like uh, play the credits all the way through after that Doris song, there's an Elton John cover by
3: Roger Daltrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> by Roger Daltrey. I was like, wait, who's doing what?
1: So it's kind of funny because. Like the Who and Elton John kind of are in the same era, but it's like, no, no, no. This is Roger toldry This is an 80s (laughs) Roger toldry Remember that. This is a new version of that other thing. Oh, that song
2: is so dangy at the end. Like, I know why they did it. Like, don't let the sun go down on me. Like, I I get it. It's vampires. It can't come
3: out in
2: the sun. But I just get to that bit of the credits and I'm like, oh, God, why is this happening? Were you, were you <laughs> exactly, expecting
3: subtlety? Were subtlety from Joel T. Well,
2: I'm just glad it's at the end of the credits. <laughs> in the middle
1: of the film. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, exactly though. With the soundtrack, like they were trying to create something, you know, new and something you talk about. This is one of those soundtracks where, when a song comes on, they're blasting it. You know, <laughs> they're yeah. not subtly again. That word. <laughs> they're not subtly putting it in the background. They're like, this is the new song. <laughs> buy this fucking album you know so mm. <laughs> uh yeah i'm assuming that's why they did the cover uh quickly though like when they're when they're in uh you know the new house the grandfather's home i love the dialogue they're having it's really like teen dialogue uh mm. especially you know the you know sam talking about fitting in and kind of just i think it's later i don't know if you guys noticed he has a Molly Ringwald poster in his room. Yeah,
3: yeah I wrote a note about that. Like, yes, I always awesome. noticed
2: that. But I mean, <laughs> that's not the first poster that you notice, is it? I mean, hello, there's clearly that sexy Rob Lowe poster up on the front of the cupboard. <laughs> everyone always talks about that because they're like, why is that in his room? But like, hey, Sam has posters for everyone. Like, he's got Molly, he's got sexy Rob Lowe. Like, I don't know, hey, I'm... I am not mad about it, but
3: anyway.
1: No, I mean, let him let him live his life. But yes, yeah. I did notice that as well. Good call.
3: <laughs> I mean, I always noticed if that. I saw, if I saw a sexy Rob poster today, I'd have it in my room. <laughs> That's,
1: yeah, I mean, I can't blame you.
3: I mean, you know. I, w- I would, would literally have it in my room. <laughs> Put it in a
2: frame. Like, you know, don't just hang it on the cover. Like.
3: No, you gotta hang you gotta it up.
1: No, but yeah. I mean, I, I liked seeing his room. It was really a teenage, if you will. Um, the other thing that I really liked early on is that whole, the f- like, the first comic book store scene when he just mm. kind of pops in and he's, like, talking about where the Superman should go, where the <laughs> Superman comics should go, which is funny because, like, and Richard Donner was a producer on this. Got a problem, guys? Just scope in your civilian wardrobe.
3: Pretty cool, huh? For a fashion victim. Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the diet frozen yogurt bar went out of business last summer...
0: Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. That's a very serious book, man. Only five in existence. Four, actually. I'm always looking out for the other three. Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number ninety-eight with the three hundreds. Laurie Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Where the hell are you from? Krypton. Phoenix, actually. But lucky me, we moved here. Take this. I don't like horror comics. You like this one, Mr. Phoenix?
2: Well, it could save your life.
1: Again that original Corey interaction I just (laughs) love this idea that there's these young kids Who very seriously Consider themselves the last line of defense In this town against these vampires and just everything that's happening at the comic store. I'm loving.
2: Mm, that's such a weird interaction. Cause it's like, they're all kind of like in a bit like, you know, cool mode. They're all trying to like, have this like, hey, yeah. I know more about comics than you do. And they're like, well, Hey, i got something better. We've got vampires. Like, I love just like that. They're, they're just kind of like trying to like cool each other off. Like the, you know, they're trying to one up each other on like how cool they are, which seems like a weird way to start a friendship. But like, obviously maybe that's what teenage boys do. I don't know. I've never that been That is one, what
1: teenage boys know. do. <laughs> <laughs> But, I've seen yeah, it I just love a that, million times.
2: <laughs> I just love that that kind of like establishes the thing and then they're trying to like give him the comic and he's like, no, I don't like horror comics. And then, you know, but weirdly they actually kind of become the experts later on
3: i think that's another good reason why it was smart to start this movie with the vampire stuff because otherwise like if we ha- if we were left to witness to, to experience this story from the perspective of sam and michael you know these two brothers would come off as like loser assholes you know yeah. like yeah okay there's vampires in <laughs> yeah, sure. this whatever you say but like we as the audience we know that that's true mm. and that these kids who should be laughed off the face of the earth Actually are on right something it. you know yeah. yeah they're right so yeah i think that's another good use of that opening scene mm.
1: And <laughs> the other uh, element early on that we really see is uh, diane reese the mom you know single mom recently single mom in a new town and mm. catch catch the eye of a uh, what max's name edward herman
3: and that, and that's very 80s as yes. well that that struck me as as a very 80s uh concept of you know divorce and these kids being you know sort of shuttled around from place to place wherever mom goes and you know and now she's trying to you know date somebody new and they're trying to make new friends and find their place in life like that that is a very gen x mm. kind of thing and i thought that really um, like, that spoke to me. I, I don't know what, which point I, that I picked up on that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, They um, that's a big thing that I've noticed in teen... Kids films, too, obviously, and teen films. Um, You know, like, Divorce Mom. The guy she usually dates is... And usually it's using like, a bit part thing, but obviously it's sometimes bigger, like this one. But he's always some kind of lame person one way or another. He's never, like, a cool, really awesome, you know, potential father figure for anyone. It's always someone who the boy's usually boys or girls, you know, yeah. don't like.
2: Yeah, because he's like a sort of like massive dork and then, I mean, obviously they don't want them to end up together because clearly he's a bit more than that in this film, but it's definitely that like, <laughs> oh God, that guy keeps hanging around and we just like we're so sick of him because like he's never going to be our dad, but like, cause he's a bit of a loser. But I like you'll how get, they sort of flip, flip that later because it's sort of...
1: <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I, you know, the first time I saw it, I was not caring that much or paying attention, so... Um and well you know, obviously we'll talk about the ending, but they got me with this character. I really did just Oh yeah. Mm. Hook line and sinker. I really just thought he was this dorky guy dating <laughs> the mom. Like never would I think that he was at all affiliated with cool guy Keith or Sutherland, you know what I mean? Mm. Like,
3: <laughs> Well, I think that it's largely due to Jill Schumacher's willingness to break the established vampire rules, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the the Frog Brothers put him through the test and he he passes. Yeah, this is one of those movies where they're like, eh, all those rules about (laughs) vampires that you're aware of, they don't all really matter. You know, we're (laughs) just going to tell the story we want to tell. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant choice. Maybe
2: he's, like, been a vampire for, like, centuries and he's kind of figured out a way to get around the test. Maybe. Or they just went... We don't care. Whatever vampire well, th- rules, we don't know her. I, I, think
1: that, <laughs> I think they mention at one point, though, like, oh, only some things work for some vampires. And later you see that the guy, is like, oh, garlic? That's not going to get me. But then he ends up being <laughs> susceptible to holy water. So who knows? Yeah. I do like, though, that they acknowledge the old vampire rules. Some are yeah. broken. Some aren't broken. But it's still like in that classic vampire world world of stakes and uh i mean actual stakes in the heart not like raising the stakes but (laughs) that that too uh (laughs) you know and uh holy water and garlic and mirrors and stuff like that i loved seeing that you know we talk uh twilight a lot on this podcast and that's a franchise that really was just like yeah like maybe one of these vampire rules is true but you know, the instead of uh something happening to you in the light, your your skin's gonna turn into glitter. You know, it's like <laughs>
3: this. So there least... is
2: There is vampire glitter in this, but it's the blood.
3: Yes, which, true. Yes. yes, true. The, glit- the glitter,
2: blood. <laughs> so I mean,
3: you know, I I caught that for the first <laughs> time with this watch. I had never really noticed the glitter before, and then I was like, wait a minute, is that it's gl- the glitter gl- blood?
2: <laughs> the glitter on the inside. These vampires. <laughs>
1: Where it counts. No. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually staying at a friend's beach house and I watched it on this. He has a really nice TV and I guess the Amazon version must have been like restored. It's not like it doesn't look like an old film copy. So it was really popping on the TV that I was watching it on. So. It was cool.
3: Yeah, that 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 could be what was different for me, too. I watched it uh, on a uh, projector. You know, I had a, a big, like, 100-inch screen, you know? So previously I'd watched it on TVs, but, yeah, this time it was much bigger, and I think that's why I picked up on it. But it's just a weird thing. Was... <laughs> Good little quirk, mm. you know? <laughs>
1: I guess the movie really kicks off, I mean, when Michael, I can't believe I forgot his name briefly, <laughs> <laughs> When when uh, Michael yes, Michael when Michael I guess he notices Star and that kind of sort of starts this chain of events where he ends up mm. becoming a vampire. Uh,
2: I mean, he does get a bit creepy with that whole when he first sees Star, and I'm never sure if it's like he's being a bit creepy or if she's like glamouring him a bit. Because <laughs> I mean, clearly the like you know four other vampires sent her there to kind of like you know go and find her first kill or whatever. But I mean, he is a bit like creepy and. Sam's like you know hey I'm at like the mercy of your sex hormones here and he's like following him around going like what are we doing like <laughs> but then like from that I think another night he's trying to like get like you know the kind of Rob Lowe and St. Elmo's Fire earring thing the one earring he's like you know...
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: Star comes up and she's like no hey I'll do it for you and then he's like oh, okay cool let's go and ride off on my bike and then you know the other vampires arrive and then that kind of like kicks off the whole weird David Michael thing where they're kind of like he kind of like wants him to be like part of their gang but is also like really like intimidating towards him the whole time like it's a very antagonistic kind of friendship thing
1: it's (laughs) weird because you said it like first apparently uh david has suggested that that be stars or that michael be stars first kill but then in these scenes he's really looking like hey you could be you know a part of my pack here
2: yeah and then it's like weird the motivation changes because it's sort of like do we want Star to become a full vampire or do we want another vampire? Like, it's a bit sort of... I think they just, like, chucked Star out the window because now they have like, we've got a different one. We'll replace her with someone else.
1: Well, you know, I mean, I guess they've had good chemistry. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I really, you know, was intrigued by the fact that Michael essentially became, or at least a half vampire, like, mm. unknowingly. Like, there's that whole scene in that, uh, what is it, like, a, a hotel that sunk because of an earthquake.
2: Feeding
3: time, come and get it, boys.
0: All right. All right. All right. Oh, Chinese. Good choice. Over here, bud.
1: Yes, first. You don't like rice? A... Tell me, Michael, how could a billion Chinese people be wrong? <laughs> come on. Are oh, those maggots? Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste?
0: Leave
3: him alone. <laughs>
1: feelings up why don't you try some
0: noodles
1: (laughs) worms I mean they're worms Tony they're only noodles Michael
0: (laughs)
3: that's enough
2: yeah and when they do the whole like it's only noodles, Michael thing yes. where they're trying to like, it's like, they're trying to like embarrass him all the time, but then they still want to like peer pressure him into becoming a vampire. It's, it's so weird. But that whole, like the noodles bit and the maggots bit, that bit's kind of, you know, he's just like, you know, messing with him with his vampire powers.
1: <laughs> hey, it worked. Cause it was like peer pressure. Like, wait. yeah. And then Drink he's kind of like, liquid. Oh
2: yeah. And then he kind of is very much primed to like, Hey, I'll do whatever. Like I'll do something cool. Cause like, I'm not a loser. I didn't think they were maggots. Like, you know, you can't mess with me. But I I mean, it's definitely a weird messing with the vampire rules because really in everything else to become a vampire, you have to be bitten first and then drink that vampire's blood. And really, he's just drinking some blood. Like, I don't even know why that starts him to become a vampire. Like, that doesn't, you know, gel with any other vampire turning story. But
1: but it does here. It, it does you here. That, you have that cool train sequence, too, where they're just like hanging there. And he doesn't know whether to trust it or not, or not even, he's like, what? I don't know. said, like, what the hell are we doing kind of thing? And, slips yeah. and he falls and that's when he kind of like, you know, wakes up in his bed and there's that whole, uh, mm. you know, his whole slow transformation after that. <laughs> but uh, Dan, what do you think of this initial transformation of Michael?
3: This movie doesn't play by the rules. And so I don't expect, um, I'm willing to just go along with whatever logic it's got, right? Because I think that, there's not much substance here to begin with. I think a lot of this movie, the appeal of this movie is style and flash and, and whatnot. I mean, I was just thinking to myself that, uh, no other vampire movie makes me want to be a vampire. Like it (laughs) seems like so much fun. So like, I'm less concerned with the rules in this than maybe any other vampire movie. Um, I like the way it plays out. Uh, it plays out very similarly in the uh, movie I mentioned previously near dark. You know, it's a guy kind of falls and, uh, or, or gets attracted to this woman who ends up being a vampire who brings him into their fault. Right. That's sort of the main thrust of both, both movies. I like the way it plays out here. I think that, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the maggots and the noodles play really into that high school peer pressure, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing with like the way you guys said, yeah, I'm kind of fine with it. It doesn't make any sense, but, you know, he has to become a vampire, so I'm willing to say, okay, fine, he drinks the blood, he's a vampire. <laughs> I'm not I'm not nitpicking this movie for its uh, <laughs> vampirical uh, accuracies, I guess. If this was
1: like a vampire podcast, maybe we would do that, but no, we're just having fun mm-hmm. today. <laughs>
3: oh this this would fail spectacularly by most (laughs) metrics but you know it's not a serious vampire movie so i I try not to take it and
2: i think like if you know kiefer had just like wandered over and like bitten him it would have been a bit weird like it would have thrown off the flow of this whole like we're partying thing like it would just be a bit like what is happening
3: But now that you've put that thought into my mind, Shawnee, I kind (laughs) of like it. We've got Top Gun with the big homoeroticism (laughs) in that. Why can't we have Lost Boys with an equally homoerotic subplot? I mean, everyone talks Uh, about
2: that all the time anyway, even if that didn't happen. People talk about that like all the time that pops up and like every time people talk about this film they're always talking about how homoerotic it is and how like you know david and michael are like in love like people talk about that all the time
3: (laughs) i would love that subtext to become text i want to rewrite this movie (laughs) so that they make out
2: i mean you know it kind of you do kind of get that vibe but it's also like is that the vibe or is he just weirdly pushy and just wants him to be a vampire like it's
3: so right I, I don't i don't think michael and um david are i don't think their relationship is uh fully formed enough to be believable as homoerotic no. uh, i've never actually no, i've never actually so. heard that i've never heard that uh that sort of um i don't want to say criticism but i've never heard that uh, observation in regards to lost boys before uh oddly enough But I think that, you know, they could have, like, a Maverick and Iceman kind of relationship if it had been written differently. And that kind of, to me, might make a slightly more interesting film. But yeah, no, I think it's totally fine the way it worked out. I just, now I'm thinking about David and Michael, and I would rather have that that version (laughs) of the
2: movie. Made a shipping over
3: there. (laughs) I'm doing a little bit of shipping. Uh...
1: Strangely, like, the next note I have is Corey from the tub. Oh, yeah, that's when he's just, like... (laughs) It's like a weird thing. He's
3: or Corey like- Ham singing singing oldies. Yes. yes. Singing See,
2: that's yeah. when he seems like about eight, because he's like chilling in the bath with his dog. He's like having a great time. Like that seems sort of like a weird holdover from when he was like, you know,
3: wait, younger. Wait, Am I the only one who still does that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, he's just like, you know, being banging there, having a great time. And then, you know, unbeknownst to him, Michael's like vamping out in the background, which is a bit, I mean, that bit's kind of scary, because then you're kind of like, Oh my God, he's in the bath. And like movies always make like the shower and the bath. You're like really Mm. vulnerable because you're kind of like, you know, you're not clothed. You're not doing anything. You're kind of like just (laughs) thinking you're having a shower or whatever. So that bit is kind of like really creepy. And then you start to see like, you know, Nanook gets really upset on the floor. And it's kind of like, oh my God, what is happening? And like, this is the worst time for the mum to be out. He's not a very good babysitter right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then he like creepily like you know bursts into the bathroom. But then before Sam even really notices what's going on, Nanook like leaps out of the bathroom and was like savaging him downstairs. And then he kind of runs down and is like, Oh my god, I don't know what's happening. Now I'm starting to think those frog brothers might be onto something. And, and then just, like yes. Michael like comes out of the dark and then he's bleeding, but he's like, It's my blood. And then he realizes he's a vampire and then what does he say? That line about like my own vampire is like a shit sucking vampire or something. My own brother, <laughs> even whatever.
1: <laughs> Yeah, he says something a lot of those lines.
2: And then he like freaks out and like rings the Frog Brothers and then rings the mum and, the ch- I mean that bit she's like freaking out like what the hell is happening because like Sam's like screaming in the background and like it's on the phone and like,
3: ugh.
1: Just quick shout out to Nanook, great dog acting mm. in this film. I love a good dog and and yeah, <laughs> the dog doesn't die, so that's a plus. Yes,
3: I love Nanook. No, I think that the scene with uh, Corey Haim in the in the in the bathtub is one of many that I think this movie like one of the things I like about this movie is that every time things start to get a little bit serious, a little bit heavy, mm. Joel Schumacher knew things were getting a little bit too heavy. We got to cut it with some comedy. And then we jumped to Corey Haim singing oldies <laughs> in the bathtub, you know, like, and there are multiple scenes there are multiple examples of that throughout the film. And I think that's what I love most about this is like, just when it starts to get kind of a horror movie, mm. we cut it back a little bit, you know, it doesn't ever get too extreme, which is why I think like this would be a great movie to show to somebody who's not, really into horror movies you know but kind of wants to be like kind of what i was talking about before my friend's uh wife you know like this might be great for her because it's not super scary it always cuts back a little bit uh before it reaches that point but yeah i i love i love scenes like that that's just i don't know balances the tone overall
1: yeah i mean it makes it uh mm. su- like super fun like this movie honestly does not did not feel like to me like it dragged you know because uh, for i think for what you're saying dan like when we would get these dark moments and the moments that are trying to steep in like the lore they're trying to create, which is all good and fine and dandy, but I'm drawn mm-hmm. back in by just the comedy, especially from Corey Haim, honestly. It's almost like there's two movies happening. Yeah. Like have mm-hmm. just from yeah. both brothers' perspectives. And there are two movies we've seen, <laughs> like that dark vampire tale or just even kind of dark supernatural tale. And then the goofy, you know, kid brother. Like, what's going that, on? Though? Gotta, you know, gotta, <laughs> gotta solve things with my buddies. Mm. And I love both.
2: Yeah. And I like that they have like a, it's established early on that they have like a sort of close brother like relationship. Like, it's not like, oh my God, Sam's so annoying and I'm so cool. Like, they definitely like, are like friends. And I like that sort of throughout this, they sort of keep that after like, you know, Michael kind of doesn't try and, you know, kill him again. <laughs> but I like that that's sort of kept. And then they're like, Sam is doing whatever he can to, like, help Michael, like, you know, not be a vampire anymore. So I like that that's still, the two brothers are still, like, you know, the Emersons are still just, like, a tight unit, and they're just, like, working together.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool dynamic. As we move along, because, you know, this isn't a movie, if we just talked about, like, every scene, it would be pretty boring. This is a visual movie. This is a movie you really have to feel. So so what other scenes, as we go along, like, really uh, stuck out to you guys?
2: Well, actually, there's one scene that I always find, like, hilarious. It's that kind of Star kind of has, like, come to their house to kind of explain to Michael what's going on. And then Sam's, like, shrieking, like, in his bed in the background going, like, oh, my God. And like, I, just <laughs> love I just love him in the background, like, having, like, a freak out. And then he's trying to, like, you know, then he calls the Frog Brothers and then has, like, a freak out to them. But I just love that. But then Michael kind of goes back to, like, the hotel to meet Star because the guys are sleeping or they're out or something. Something spooky. But then they have that like ridiculous song choice for like, you know, we just have, suddenly start having a sex scene, and then all of a sudden they start playing Cry Little Sister. Like what that those lyrics do not go. Cause then when you start listening, it's like Love is with your brother. It's like, um, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Um, they're having a sex scene like in the background here. This The song does not go with that. Like, it is not working. And then they do that weird, like, you know, cut to, like, the clouds bit. (laughs) They're doing, like, you know, the Hitchcock, like, fireworks thing. Because they're not, like, they don't want to show, like, a full-on sex scene. So they, like, cut to, like, oh, here's some clouds. But
1: I always (laughs) just find that bit hilarious. (laughs) This was an epic
3: sex scene.
2: Uh, But that song does not go.
3: Ugh. I don't I don't think that song makes a whole lot of sense to me no, it but... <laughs> it's only iconic because it was used in this song or in this movie yeah but you're like like lyrically I can't figure <laughs> out what it's about uh, it's just very strange so mm-hmm. yeah I don't know that that, mo- that song would work <laughs> well in any context but yeah, yeah no, so I think it was for this movie.
2: just for this movie, and I think it was written like really, really, really quickly, so it kind of is nonsense. But I mean, the few lyrics that you definitely know what they're singing about, it does not work with the sex scene, like you know, <laughs> she's not finding love with her brother, like it's a bit like, what the hell,
1: even so. It, it felt like, this was a weird <laughs> sex scene. I mean, again, I, I love it because it's it made me laugh and it made me like you know happy, but. It is weird too because he's almost coming to her like, you know, what's going on with me? Yeah. Where's David? What's the whole deal with everything? What's going on? Mm. And it's like, boom, sex, you know?
2: And then Laddie's, is like nearby, having a sleep, like, um, excuse me. You're like trying to watch this <laughs> little like half vampire boy who could wake up or the other vampires could come back. It's like, um, hi. <laughs> maybe now is not the time for this. Like it's all but it is very light. It doesn't seem organic. It's just randomly like, what's going on? She's like, I can't tell you. And then like, bam, <laughs> bam, we've got cry little sister and then we've got some clouds. But, uh,
1: hey, teenagers. Oh,
2: well. <laughs> it's for the teens. I'm trying to throw it in. They were just trying to throw in like a, you know, shirtless Jason Patrick moment, I guess. I don't know.
1: Shawnee, you and I, like both for Halloween have discussed maybe the two most fantastical sex scenes ever, because there, there's this and there's that cabin one in Teen Witch.
2: Oh my god, I'm still, I watched that again I'm still never sure if that is a sex scene Because she doesn't seem to be telling Madam Whatever about it later So I'm just like, mm. But I was watching it with my mom and she was like, yeah This is, like, if this was another movie They would definitely be having sex after this But, like, but it's like, it doesn't because it's Teen Witch And it's like, oh, I'm not doing that But, I mean, yeah, this one, I mean There's no room no. for interpretation no, Clearly, yes. clearly that's what's happening And that's what the clouds are for Because, you know don't want to like you know go that full on and show the whole thing. And we're just like we'll cut some just like you know clouds and be like, hey, no, no, nothing, nothing's happening, guys. It's just just like a cloud scene, but uh,
3: I, I'm starting to feel like I should maybe take Cry Little Sister off of my intimate mix <laughs> uh, We all have one of those, right? Okay, uh, so never mind. Let's ignore that. So yeah, the one of the scenes I like most about this movie is is that scene when um the uh, the gang of vampires try to take Michael uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to make his first kill and I think it's it's one of the few scenes in this movie where we actually see makeup effects mm-hmm. on the vampires. Like we see Kiefer and a couple of the others in like their like sort of more animalistic vampire look, and I think they look mm. really great yeah, I think for that the, look.
0: cool.
3: it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it doesn't reinvent the wheel. I think it's it's similar mm. to other uh, vampire uh, kind of looks, at least contemporary vampires. You know, I've definitely seen other other vampires l- resemble uh, them in that moment before, but. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. I don't think I've had the opportunity to. But, you know, I love practical makeup. And I think this is one mm. of those great great examples of that, uh, especially in this movie. But, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, or I love this scene in this movie uh, for what it does with Michael, right? Because we're kind of, like, having fun being a vampire. But now things get serious. Shit hits the fan. He's got to make a decision. Is he going to commit to this lifestyle or isn't he? Because um, up until this point, being a vampire has been super fun, right? But now now you got to kill somebody you know <laughs> that's going to be tough yeah i love that scene and how that uh, uh affects michael and his relationship to the the vampires you know
2: and they weirdly still look cool even if even after that when they kill all the like skinhead looking dudes
3: bikers yeah you
2: know? which like you know that's fine they can kill them that's just really cool <laughs> <laughs> they seem a bit awful but i mean yeah they kind of all of a sudden are like the four of them are like lined up standing, like, on the top of the hill, and they don't have their, like, vampire makeup on anymore, but they're all just, like, covered in blood, and whatnot. but somehow they still look cool, like, I do they just look like this, like, cool, like, rock band, like, standing on this cliff, and then Michael's like, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't actually think I was ever really on board with this vampire thing, but then he's like, I am literally not on board anymore, like, I, this is not, this is not for me,
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah,
2: but that scene is, like, cool, in the makeup, I think I read somewhere that Joss Whedon was kind of inspired by that makeup for Buffy because then the the, the vampires look kind of like people sometimes and then you know when they fully vamp out they look a bit kind of spooky I mean the makeup looks kind of cool on the guys because they still look like them but then later on when uh, Max has his vampire makeup um don't really know what changed there but he sort of looks a bit like I don't know Herman Munster instead of like a scary (laughs) vampire but I don't that didn't the makeup did not translate to him or they did something weird because he didn't really look like himself the others still looked like them but and I mean I never remember the other two vampires names like I know they have names and I never remember them because like who cares because I think I just called the other one like twisted sister because one of the frogs calls him and then the (laughs) other one like he doesn't need a name because like literally he's walking around this like amazing hair and like you know He's the one that doesn't have a shirt, like you know. He doesn't need a name because he just <laughs> is over there looking like you know a model over there, which I think he was anyway. But
1: the one they actually kill our our cool little you know comic gang here is our boy Alex Winter.
2: Oh, Marco, Marco F. Preston the third. Why? <laughs> I know, we, like I know he had to go, but I'm still a bit like, oh, it's Bill. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't kill him. But I mean that's one of the scenes that like they don't throw in any sort of comedy stuff. Like it's just the frogs kind of go in and they're like, we're going to kill one of them. And then they randomly like climb up and then pick like the littlest one. But then that scene could be like a bit overdone, but I feel like the way they do it kind of works quite well. Like all the vampires wake up and they're screaming and then Marco's screaming and then the frog brothers are screaming and like.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I know that in 2020, we know Alex Winter as uh, Bill Preston. Esquire. <laughs> I mean, the time he wasn't. But... <laughs> yeah, are right. At the, at the time, when you look at this group of vampires you know yes he's the smallest he might be the weakest he seems like the logical choice in the time ta- at the moment to, to to kill right it sucks that he became bill yeah you know? <laughs> yeah we yeah. didn't know um, they didn't know i should say they didn't know but also in terms of the rest of the cast you know mr shirtless i think i'm looking at imdb I, th- I think that is uh Dwayne. you know like yeah. i think that from a storytelling perspective they needed somebody to still be a formidable opponent in that third act, right? If it was still, if Alex Winter was still alive, what's he going to do? Yeah, the the stereo bit
2: kind of, yeah, wouldn't have worked with him. It wouldn't have been like as epic. I I mean, he definitely has like the least epic death, but you know, it's just, we're we're building up to that. We're just like, you know.
3: Yeah, I I guess if I could go back and rewrite this movie, I would give, because it's Alex Winter, I would give him a more significant death. (laughs) And then we have like the
2: hilarious vampire feat, which I mean, Oh,
3: every, god, every yeah.
2: time i see those i'm just like oh my god why is i mean we I tried to make the vampire effects look cool the rest of the time but then we just have these like giant feet <laughs> <laughs> i have not
1: see
2: them for very long but i see them every time and i'm like ah it's the feet <laughs> oh god the giant feet but anyway
1: when uh, they kill marco though i really liked that basically the frog brothers the entire time are like stone cold about that vampires have to die And when Sam is like, it's my brother, I can't kill him. They're like, oh, we're just going to have to go over your house and kill him. You know, they yeah, say things like that. Yeah, because he's not
2: your brother anymore. He's just like a full-on vamp now. So they're yeah, just like, they don't care whatsoever about the vampires. They no, like, they it, all no. have to go.
1: And honestly, up until this point, I kind of was like, they're definitely all talk. They're just kids who are into comic books. When it matters most, are they really going to do something like that? And boom, they just, you know, mm. they just do it. And, and then they, then they come like, out
2: and they like, glitter blood. blood. Like, they're all just like, hey, we are totally down for this. Let's go and get on the others.
1: Like they were born for it. Um, mm. you know a little bit later they have they're just all gearing up the good <laughs> guys will say i guess what what do you think of uh this whole element of just like getting ready for this final battle good guys versus bad guys essentially
3: uh, I like it. It's got kind of a um, almost a, a Home Alone. I was just going to it, say you know, that, you know, right? Like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're preparing the house and getting ready for these these uh, vampires. They know their weaknesses and they're just, you know, battening down the hatches. It's pretty pretty awesome.
2: That bit with Nanook is, like, always freaks me out. I'm like, oh my god, are they going to get him inside? Because for some reason they've tied the dog up outside even though they're preparing for a vampire fight so someone might like get the dog and then they like run out and like you know michael's out there trying to get the dog and then sam's out there and everyone's like screaming like get back in the hat. like that bit always just stresses me out because it's a dog and i'm like no don't do anything to the dog just like ah no dog death
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no for sure we don't we do not need dog deaths leave
2: Nanook, please but i mean that bit i think it kind of adds to like the heightening thing because then you're already like on edge and then they're like oh my god when it's, when is it happening when are the vampires coming
1: Nanook ends up helping with one of the kills the bathtub kill
2: yes yes with twisted sister or whatever when he like you know <laughs> i love how he just walks in all like swag like you know you guys can't kill me like garlic whatever and then they're like wait for this, buddy. got a holy water bath. And yeah, Nanook just like leaps in and pushes him in.
0: <laughs> and I mean,
2: that death is kind of like really extreme. And I don't, it feels like it shouldn't be because he's just in holy water. But then... And then the weird thing with, like, the entire plumbing in the house. I don't know why killing a vampire in the bath makes every single, like, water place in the house blow up. And then there's blood everywhere. Like, that bit's just, like, completely over the top.
1: (laughs) But the effects for that were, like, really cool. Like, they were really, uh, you know, I I really, like, I mean, maybe it's not everyone's thing. But just seeing it, I was like, wow, that's pretty (laughs) good. Like, it's very epic.
2: And I love how, like, everyone's in a different part of the house, like, fighting, like, a different vampire. And it's all kind of happening at the same time but i like that you get each vampire death like separate but you get to sort of see the whole thing you're not just getting like snippet and yeah. then there's that funny with laddie when he like starts to like vamp out in the room and the frog brothers are like oh my god it's the attack of eddie monster
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> who is not a vampire but i always yeah. think eddie monster should be a vampire but obviously this movie thinks that as well so hey the monsters <laughs> you should he shouldn't have been a werewolf he should have been a vampire but
1: whatever <laughs> the epicness of these battles like you know, bow and arrows and like yeah j- just all the tricks of the trade here and the and the death know,
2: by stereo death death by awesome. stereo is that awesome bit, i love that bit and i love that over- is that where that band name came from <laughs> <laughs> but i love how like ridiculous the line is when he walks in he's like you miss, sucker <laughs> like, that, is like, even, i know it's got so bangs 80s. and everything but it's, it's just so like 80s. so over the top but yeah then sam like gets him with a bow and arrow and like blows him up along with the stereo and i love how he just goes like death by stereo <laughs> yes awesome. that is such oh, an oh. 80s death nice
1: i love it <laughs> i forgot to mention early on when uh sam wears garlic to bed earlier and like the mom's <laughs> like did you just eat a pizza uh, <laughs> so sorry <laughs> just remember that from like the garlic with the tub but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i just i love like everything that's happening in this scene and is is it silly sure but like they like schumacher and just the cast and everyone here has built to this moment so well Mm. like how just setting up with the mix of comedy and badassness that i think it's it's appropriate ending it didn't let me down
2: and it definitely is like the payoff that like you does we deserve after this film like a I don't think it lets anything down. Like it's I think it's a great way to finish everything.
1: Especially when like Michael impales David like on the antlers and the grandfather's mm. like taxidermy shop. And you think <laughs> yeah. you think David's like the vampire king, if you will, and that everything is going to be okay after that and when it's not i'm like oh that's interesting are they just gonna have to stay like vampires i wasn't sure you know and then we get we get the ending with the grandfather and such but dan any any other thoughts on on this
3: yeah so i agree that i love that all of these different characters get kind of huge uh iconic death scenes but like the thing that makes me a little bit sad about this movie overall is that like a couple of these vampires we don't know who their names are you know or we don't know what their names are rather You know, I wish that the the vampire tribe had been a little more fleshed out, you know, like we got Kiefer who's leading this group, Mm -hmm. you know, we know who he is and, and, um, but like, and we know who Alex Winter is because of Bill and Ted, but the rest of them, like, I don't really know who they are. So I kind of wish that this movie had given them a little bit more to do as characters, a little more, um, identity, you know, just a, a name so that we could know who they were. Uh but but I do love how each one does get like a very iconic, very big moment when they get killed. So yeah, I don't uh I don't think I have any, anything more to add to that. You guys pretty much covered it. Well
1: we have uh you know our big twist that uh Ooh. Edward Herman, Max, I think his name is, right? He actually ends up it ends up that he was the vampire king. They're right all along and what was his motivation? Like, I mean, he, he says he has a couple of motivations, but it ended up being that he wants the mother. He wanted to... a
2: mom for his lost boys because she's such a good mother. So we just wanted like a, you know, a big happy Brady Bunch kind of family thing, which is like, mm.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he actually says that, right? Like they say, what is this, Brady Bunch? Because he's like, you know, your kids with my kids together, we could have one big happy family. And you're like, wow, this is a, you this know. Is weird. <laughs> and I love how we see like classic, you know, Edward Herman, turn into a vampire like you know the yeah. rest of them as well in this movie because i swear i did not expect that it got me this time i was like oh my god what like <laughs> i thought it was awesome
3: yeah it's such a very edward herman thing to want like a brady Bunch family. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. how perfect is that casting yeah
2: like he doesn't have a sinister motive he just wanted like you know a big happy vampire family like it's not I mean, to him, it's not creepy, but like,
3: yeah, I think I think a big part of the success of Max as a character and and the twist at the end is the casting of Edward Herman. You know, he's you would want to cast somebody very unassuming like that. He kind of fits that perfectly. Just I just love that reveal, and 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 I think that he he's so good. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I don't, I don't spend the whole podcast raining praise on Edward <laughs> Herman but he's worth it. He's worth it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could I could easily see that being not working out so well if they had cast somebody else. I guess is my ultimate point. Oh, I agree.
1: But, I 100% agree. You know, like
3: a lot of that re- relies on the on the on the casting I think they they hit square on the
1: And I can't believe at the end of this uh grandpa saves the day. He <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <ends>. <laughs> well, you passed the test.
1: Don't ever invite
0: a vampire into your house, you silly boy. It renders you powerless. Did you know that?
1: Of course. Everyone knows that.
0: Has everyone gone crazy here? What's the matter with all of you?
1: It was you I was after all along, Lucy. What? I knew that if I could get Sam and Michael into the family, there's no way you could say no.
0: Where's Michael?
1: It was all going to be so perfect.
0: just like one big happy family your boys and my boys great the blood sucking brady bunch but i still want you lucy yeah.
2: i haven't changed my mind about that i didn't invite you this time max oh <laughs>
0: so much better if you don't fight mom mom don't mom don't do mom mom don't
1: do it mom no mom no mom mom And it's not—it's uh. not one of these endings with like a coda where it's like, "Oh, this is this, this. this is like he just barges in, kill <laughs> you know, kills Max and mm,
2: with a massive stake that's like a fence post or whatever, yes. like it.
1: A... And to me, it's clear he's done this before because of that line. One thing about living in Santa Clara, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. Damn <laughs> vampires.
2: <laughs> and then I laugh how the movie just like goes black and the family are just like, "What? Like, did <laughs> you know about this? Like, clearly their faces are like." Dude, you could have like given us some warning, Grandpa.
3: If you rewatch the movie, there are moments where it's like this should be weird, but <laughs> Grandpa like doesn't seem to be phased by yeah. any of it. Like when, like when Michael is carrying Star up to his bedroom, and like Grandpa's asking about um, filling the tank in the car yeah. with gas. You know, like well now you know. Like nothing else seems strange. You know, just. You know, like there's all these clues <laughs> on a second, third watch that gran- Grandpa totally knew what was going on. Yeah, but you know, he, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Often meets the widow you know?
2: Johnson or whatever, like his girlfriend's
0: The widow. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's always just gonna. He's always just gonna see her. Like you know, he doesn't care, and he's just like got his you know shelf in the fridge. He's just like got a great life over there, but clearly he's known about vampires forever.
1: It's almost like vampires are like a squirrel problem in in the town. You know, like (laughs) it's just, it's something he's just always dealt with and it it is what it is, you know, and just whatever. (laughs) It's not whatever because he's obviously proactive about it, but he's also, it's a part of his everyday life and I love it. And again, this ending made me so happy because we ended on more of a fun note rather than like a a sinister or dark note. And like we said, this movie plays both beats, but the way you end is so important and, and I was definitely satisfied with this ending. Is this the perfect film? Absolutely not, but is it a fun film? Yeah. Definitely, you know <laughs> Hell yeah. Any other things you want to mention about the Lost Boys before we get into our awards?
3: I don't think so. I think we got to pretty much everything. but I, I love this this trend of me uh, appearing on your show, Brian, for movies with incredible soundtracks
1: oh yeah for sure and and again this one this soundtrack is just I mean we talked about it before like I definitely need to track it down and like just get I don't know if it's on vinyl but I need to see if it is because
3: oh it definitely is Uh, I've seen it in the flesh Um, it exists I don't have one myself but yeah you can definitely pick up a vinyl copy of this soundtrack
1: just like I said about this movie is the soundtrack perfect of course not is it fun hell yeah (laughs) Okay, so first award, Wooderson Award. Uh, is there a character in here you would have liked to see more of, or maybe learn more of? Because Dan, you already alluded to, you know, some of the other vampires in the the what is it? Is it? It's not a coven of vampires. Are vampires a thing? Like, are they a group? I don't know.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know what you call a group of vampires. I should know that if there's a name for mm-hmm. it, and I'm embarrassed to not know. Um,
2: are they like a it, tribe of vampires? I don't
3: maybe just I a, really a family. yeah i don't know i use the term tribe tonight uh i'm i'm comfortable sticking with that also because uh i think the lost boys 3 is lost boys the tribe mm. i think that's the name of it so i'm comfortable using uh that terminology for it uh but yeah i i wish that the um i wish the vampires had had a little bit more time to be developed as individual characters as opposed to a group we only really know most of them by the way they look and um i think that there could have been some time spent on uh developing personality um giving them sort of i don't know i mean i think i think you get what i'm saying like that's kind of one thing that i would definitely change about this movie i think that it works just fine but you know i don't like referring to somebody as twisted sister <laughs> i mean
2: his name, i think his name's paul i just never it is yeah, reason, I, I just don't paul. even care to remember their names because i refer to them in different ways <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're totally justified is my point you know like we yeah. don't know what his name is and we don't know what shirtless his name is
2: i think they, they were just like kind of like movie. really i think he just cast them to like look cool i feel like that was pretty much the only mode. we just like we've got two that kind of have characters and then we just like you know these two were just like in the background to look cool and have big hair I don't know.
3: to echo uh shawnee's point earlier on i think that star deserved uh more Ooh. important things to yeah. do
2: yeah, she needed definitely more of a character.
1: Is that your pick, Shawnee Star, or is there someone else? Yes.
2: Yes, that would be my pick.
1: Makes total sense. All right, opposite award Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose <laughs> omission would make the film better? Anyone uh, you would delete from the film? Doesn't, again, as I always say, doesn't have to be because of dated reasons, just someone maybe's storyline you didn't like.
2: I don't know. I sort of don't feel like anyone sticks out but shouldn't be there
3: this movie's pretty tight in terms of characters you know there's not many major characters
1: there you go i mean that that's a good sign
3: i mean i'm willing i'm willing to vouch for saxophone (laughs) in this movie so (laughs) i think we're good
2: he has to be there he can't not be in the film (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely you know what like I- i'm gonna go back to our wooderson award and i'm gonna answer for once and i want saxophone yeah. player in the film more <laughs> maybe 30 seconds yes. maybe, f-
2: maybe maybe he's a vampire
1: yeah that maybe twist. <laughs> he's the vampire king <laughs> so, the whole time
3: yes <laughs> so there, there is a line of Lost Boys comics where he does become like a vampire hunter. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yes, <laughs> That's the sax man on the boardwalk Ugh. becomes a major player in the Lost Boys comics.
2: He's got a couple of stakes in the saxophone, and he just like whips them out.
3: <laughs> Ugh. Could you imagine?
2: Or he just plays like a really big note, and they just like shoot out at the vampires. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, we know we have answers for this next one because we've already talked about it, but Cameron Fry Award, did anyone look too old to be a high schooler?
2: Yes. Yes, they did.
3: (laughs) Well, here's the question. Vampires don't age. Yes. So, like, do we have to hold vampires to this same standard? Because, you know, maybe they were bitten at 25, but they hang out with a group of people who were bitten when they were 17, 18. And so all of these vampires in theory are, you know, hundreds of years old. So, so mm.
1: probably the only ones, one we could really say then is Jason Patrick if we want to go by that theory. I
3: mean, that uh, it's just, it's, it's a question I think is valid for this particular movie. Uh, I think vampires get a little bit of leeway when it comes to fair, age. Fair, fair. So, mm.
1: I mean... We'll just say Jason Patrick then, right? Like,
2: yeah, I I mean, he definitely doesn't look seventeen. And I mean, because they never explicitly state that the four vampires were teenagers, I think we just assume. (laughs) I mean, I think because they never say, I think maybe we can get away with the fact that a couple of them probably look about thirty. But I mean, hey, that's yeah. They never like say that they're teenagers. I think they just also yeah.
1: We don't see them in high school, like writing their homework down and like you know.
3: Jason Patrick was about twenty years old oh, when he Really? Was, okay. Wow. Yes. He looks yeah. like
1: way older <laughs> than his age. So hey, I mean that's cool.
3: <laughs> like, Let's see where Kiefer, where Kiefer was uh also the same age. He was about twenty. Years he was twenty? Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Mm.
2: <laughs> I think those two became like best friends until
1: Oh, maybe yes. until Famous Julia story. Roberts
2: ran away from her wedding to Kiefer with Jason Patrick. Mm, maybe not friends anymore.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <A> little celebrity <laughs> gossip there, but you're absolutely right. Julia Roberts connection there, she left yeah. uh, she left her engagement with Kiefer Sutherland for Jason Patrick. So Interesting. Well, I think
2: that she was actually gonna marry Kiefer like two days later or something. Like That's it was crazy. like pretty close <laughs> to the actual wedding, and she's like, hey, Jason Patrick, friends with Kiefer, let's run away. That
1: story got really popular when like Runaway Bride came out, because like obviously yes. she's in that. people like, she was a Runaway Bride once, you know. I
2: mean, I feel like Gary Marshall wrote that on purpose, and then went, hey, Julia Roberts, <laughs> you want to do this? And she was probably like, I hate you right now, because you know that's what everyone says about me.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to weigh in on this real quick. I don't think anybody looks dramatically too old to be in this movie, although I do think Kiefer has like that big dick energy (laughs) you know that that makes him seem older i do think he looks about high school that's fair but i think he acts Mm. way older than that and the other
2: two kind of ones we forget their names they look a lot older but again hard to tell i don't know how old they are they might just but i mean i have never seen a teenager that looks like either of them so
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right now it's time to give our weekly grades and of course on high school slumber party we grade things from an a plus to f scale and it's just on enjoyment or whatever you want to grade it on i really don't care but uh we always compare to the rotten tomatoes and rotten tomatoes i was surprised uh by the positivity because a lot of people shit on this movie so i thought it might have more of like a 50 50 scale but 76 percent by the critics 85 percent by the audience so people enjoy this movie but I leave it to you guys. Uh, Dan, why don't you go first? What will you grade The Lost Boys?
3: So, uh, you know, when I grade anything, whether it be on Letterboxd or, or anywhere else, I kind of grade it on how much I personally enjoyed it as opposed to how good it might objectively be. And uh, I think I'm going to give The Lost Boys a B plus. I think that it... it um, has definitely definitely has some room uh, for improvement as i've sort of illustrated uh, already in the conversation but um i think that the the fun factor is definitely there and definitely bumps it up a little bit so definitely like hard b plus for me
1: shawnee
2: um well i'm just gonna go a full-on a plus just for enjoyment
1: nice. <laughs> every, I mean, every time i write
2: this on letterbox i give it five starts just because like <laughs> it's my favorite so like you know a plus all the way I know it could be improved in some ways, but like as it is, it's just great fun. And I just I love it. So yeah, A plus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, so <laughs> I actually gave it a B plus as well. I really didn't even expect to give it a score that high because again, I, I don't know. I don't know why. But Shawnee, you really, you know, I'm so happy someone gave it an A plus here. That's awesome. I'm so happy it gives you that joy. But yeah, this is a really fun movie, guys. If you couldn't uh, tell by how happy we are talking about it on this podcast, uh, definitely, definitely a recommendation. Uh, Mm. But we, of course, have to do our special recommendations like we do every week. Uh, You know, the three of us, we're going to have this slumber party together. And it's a Lost Boys-themed slumber party, if you will. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, you two get to pick one movie each, but we're in this blockbuster or movie rental universe (laughs) where we can pick any movie that we've ever wanted and we we get to the front counter we see the sign that says rent two movies get one free uh and i say dan you pick one shawnee you pick one bring them to the counter and these are the three we're going to watch with the lost boys so (laughs) shawnee this time why don't you go first what are we watching along with the lost boys
2: All right, well, I'm going to pick another vampire favourite. I'm going to pick What We Do in the Shadows, which is not scary at all, but it is absolutely hilarious. And also it it works because there is a Lost Boys reference because one of the vampires likes to whip out the uh, Buschetti trick where he, like, turns it into worms. So um, I love
0: that.
1: (laughs) So, um, yeah,
2: we're going to go with What We Do in the Shadows just to, like, mix it up a bit because it is absolutely bloody hilarious. So that's my pick.
1: (laughs) How about you, Dan?
3: So, uh, I I thought about two. I didn't know if you would give us one or two picks for this. One of my initial choices was going to be Near Dark because it's essentially the same plot, uh, but done in a very different style. But I'm not going to go with that, though I do think people should check that one out. My official pick for this will be the movie Us, Jordan Peele's Us. And the reason why is because uh, it makes reference to a movie being shot by the carousel on the Santa Cruz walk oh. in 1986. Aww. So, um, yeah, I frequently will double feature the Lost Boys and us for that reason. Like, it's very clear that they're like, oh, hey, they're shooting a movie over by the carousel. Maybe you can go be an extra. Like it was they were shooting Lost Boys. So yeah, that's another movie, another horror film that was shot in the Santa Cruz area um, that, uh, you know, I just, I think is wonderful. Um, So that would be my theme is sort of Santa Cruz horror. Great.
1: Love it. Sounds like an interesting triple feature. And so we will give a a special mention to Near Dark. You've recommended it a lot today. So maybe it's not on our triple feature, but maybe if we stay up late enough, if we can't (laughs) quite go to bed, we'll watch Near Dark as well. So (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, I only mention it because of the you know, how similar it is, and it came out in the same year. So it's like it's one of those weird coincidences where very similar movies came out the same year, you know. But they're they're a little different. Um, I would say it's definitely worth checking out if you've seen The Lost Boys and have not seen the Near Dark. You uh, owe yourself that experience, I think.
1: Well, one more thing I just wanted to talk about. Speaking of other films, is a uh, and Dan, you alluded to it before. This film, The Lost Boys, has two sequels, right? I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, I wanted to say it had three, oh, but I, I t- think I don't know. two.
1: Um, Has either of you seen any Lost Boys sequels? It seems like they were made a, a long time after the first one, so I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen any. But I think the Corys are in one of them. Maybe the second sequel? i think everyone said that really bad
3: but yeah so uh i think the only real connection from movie to uh to movie to movie is that Corey feldman is in all three yeah. and uh jameson newlander who played alan frog is also in all three really um yeah well there's not much lc had going on
1: <laughs> oh yeah lost boys the tribe and then lost boys the thirst
3: and Corey Haim appears in the third one, but they are clips from the first film. So it's like archive. Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: first line of one of the Wikipedia summaries for one of these films is a Washington DC Edgar and Alan frog interrupt a half vampire Senator who's killing a Congressman to finish his transformation. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> well, don't let that tarnish the Lost Boys for you people. This was a pleasure, and it was a pleasure talking to both you, Shawnee, and you, Dan. It was. A, this was a great little trifecta for the Lost Boys. Really appreciate you guys taking the time, especially in the busy Halloween season. (laughs) Um, Where can people follow you, find you, anything you have coming down the pike? And if not, uh, whatever else you want to say.
3: Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Colon, and you can find me on uh, Letterboxd at Dan Colon as well. And um, uh, coming up on Friday, October 30th, you can hear the first full episode of my new podcast, The Monsters That Made Us. Co-hosted by Mike Manzi, who, if you are a uh, regular listener of High School Slumber Party, will be no stranger to you. He and I are uh, watching all of the Universal Studios monster movies uh, from *Fan of the Opera* all the way until um, *The Creature Walks Among Us*. So, um, yeah, check us out at, at Monster Made Pod on Twitter, and uh, if you're already subscribed to the Cage Club Podcast Network, you can you can find us there as well. But I'm really excited about that. So, um, if you're into horror and, and old monsters, that's definitely uh, should be should be a lot of fun. Awesome,
1: I'm definitely looking forward to oh. that. That's for oh, sure. Me
3: too.
1: Shawnee, that reminded me. So that same date, this coming, this upcoming Friday, I'm actually talking Hocus Pocus on this podcast, and I know that's oh, one of your favorite yeah. films. <laughs> so, of course, you know, mention where people can follow you and find you. But why don't you uh, give these slumberers out there a quick like one minute or two minute or even even if it's just 30 seconds i don't care why they should do their homework this week and watch hocus pocus
2: because it's one of the best halloween films ever that's uh yeah because it's just fun it's another one of those films that people for some reason just take the mick out of it all the time i keep seeing all these stupid like articles about like is it objectively a good movie and then people like nitpick all of the like technical around it but like it was made for kids it's a disney movie it's just fun it's just fun it's set on halloween so i always watch it on halloween and you know it's just great fun and the witches are played like perfectly like bet midler sarah jessica barker and kathy najimi are just like amazing so it was great just for that and it's like a fun kenny ortega film so if you're into his kind of films it's great fun and yeah i just love it so and I've been to Salem. I've been to a couple of other places where they film. So, like, I am all about hocus pocus. So, definitely check it out if you have never seen it. But I hope everyone's seen it. And,
1: and you're currently a Sanderson on Twitter, right?
2: Yes. I, I always change my name to Shawnee Mead Sanderson on Twitter every year just because it's fun. And it's a Halloween surname that people will actually get what i'm referencing (laughs) and i'm also on letterboxd as well but i pretty much just tweet about every film that i list on there anyway so there's a lot of crossover but yeah
1: well guys honestly thanks so much if i don't talk to you before the holiday happy halloween and uh hope you have a fun safe enjoyable holiday
3: happy halloween (laughs) happy halloween
1: what a great episode what a great film i can't believe i gave it a b plus because this whole time i was here thinking like lost boys It's at least an A minus, so I'm going to bump up that score to an A minus once again. Thank you, Shawnee. Thank you, Dan. What a fun, fun episode. And oh my god, while listening back to that, I forgot. I forgot to ask them what their Lost Boy sleeping bag was. So I'm going to ask them on Twitter. Stay posted for that on our social media because I'm very curious to find out what their Lost Boy sleeping bags are going to look like. So once again, thank you, Shawnee. Thank you, Dan. And now slumbers. Yes, I know, you're curled in that sleeping bag. You're ready to go to bed. But hey, guess what? We got some homework for Friday. And since Friday's close to Halloween, well, it's going to be a Halloween film. And if you've been paying attention for the last, what, like 10 minutes, you'll know what Friday's film is going to be. It's going to be the cult classic, the polarizing Hocus Pocus.
0: the bones and then the
1: back. Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts, Witches! Yeah? Thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good.
0: Uh, we shall be back! <laughs>
1: 300 years later, it's Halloween Eve.
3: And they're back. Uh-oh.
1: We
0: are home! Are you broads a little old to be trick-or-treating? We're talking about 3 ancient hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be?
1: Now they're digging up old friends
0: <laughs> and running amok. Looking for
1: the one thing they miss most.
0: Who stay for supper. I'm not hungry.
1: Oh, but we are. <laughs> One boy has the power to stop them.
0: Prepare to die again! You have no powers here, you fool! Uh,
1: Before all Salem
0: falls under their spell. <laughs> Hello, you. <laughs> yes, <was>
1: Disney Pictures presents Ben Midler. Hello. Sarah Jessica Parker.
0: Would thou dance with me? And Kathy Najimy. Hocus Pocus. Into the night time. They love to fly. And it shows. The night. Sleep tight. No screaming.
1: <laughs> so I'm really, well, I'm, Yes, I'm excited about this episode. It's a movie that so many people talk about that I've seen a couple times, but I'm not necessarily on the Hocus Pocus bandwagon. I hope to get on it by Friday. But there is someone who's very close to me who is on the Hocus Pocus bandwagon. And I never really wanted to do this, to be completely honest with you. I always, I don't know, I didn't want to mix business with pleasure, but I kind of feel like I have to because I feel like if I was going to cover this movie, And I didn't have this person as my guest. Well, I was probably gonna get shit for it, I'll put it that way. One. Two, to be honest with you, she's put up with so much bullshit with this podcast. Sorry I'm cursing so much, but and I don't say bullshit in a bad way, I mean just like watching silly movies or honey, I can't go out tonight. I have to watch this film or that film or I have to edit tonight, I have to do this, I have to do that. And trust me, it's a labor of love. I love it. But you know, when you're one degree removed from it, it could be a little difficult. I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry, but my guest will be my wife, Nicole Deloise. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> I just hope we're, uh, you know, we're civil during it. I'll just leave it at that. So yeah, Nicole will be my guest, my wife, for Hocus Pocus this Friday. I want to remind you about a couple other things. Remember Dan mentioned that Heyman Mike Manzi, the Mikester, the most popular kid. Well, I don't know. I guess Kate Hudson's the most popular girl. He's more like He's always here. He's the kid in the back of the class. He's my teacher's assistant. He's very important to High School Slumber Party. Well, they're starting a podcast at Debut's this Friday. Yes, this Friday. And it'll be The Monsters That Made Us. They'll be covering the Universal Monsters. Check that out at cageclub.me, That's kageslub.me. And once again, I want to remind you to check out Christian Larson and his wife Alyssa's Kickstarter page. We'll be posting that on social media. Definitely check it out. I'm so excited about it. They're trying to build and open a theater in Peekskill, New York. And as a theater up our alley, it's nostalgia. It's a bunch of stuff. I guarantee they're going to show some high school films. I can guarantee that. Check it out. And one more thing before I let you go. Remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. And let's leave you with... People are strange... But not by the doors. Echo and the Bunny Man from the Lost Boys soundtrack. Later, dudes. People are strange when you're a stranger.
0: Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women so wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are under when you're down, when you're strange. Come out of the rain When you're strange No one remembers your name When you're strange When you're strange When you're strange People are strange When you're a stranger
3: Faces look ugly When you're alone You're still here?